Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. And welcome in. Hello, everyone. It is America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And this is the game show, guys. Uh, Tom Bastic is me. I is Mike Jacobs, too. Good good grammar to start the show off like it. I Dude, like it. we killed the grammar thing. We just <laughs> killed the grammar thing. Uh, I apologize to my eighth grade English teacher. Uh, I don't even know if any of my English teachers are still alive, but if they are, God bless them all. Yeah, I, I know some of them are because my friends are friends with them on Facebook, which is weird. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, from the uh, Department of, uh, it's not corrections, I suppose, but just updates on previous information. Uh, last week sure. on Stump the Chump, as you may recall, uh, we asked Christian a trio of questions about Bill Cullen. Uh, the third of which I asked as a joke... Uh, what brand of cigarettes did he smoke? Um, thinking that there just there was no way for anyone to be able to confirm that. Uh, and Christian surmised at the time Camel Unfiltered was the choice, but he had no like reasoning or rationale to back that up. Correct. Uh, since then, he has contacted the author of a Bill Cullen biography, who has confirmed that indeed Bill Cullen's preferred brand of cigarettes was Camel Unfiltered. Unbelievable. So absolutely unbelievable. We literally can't even stump him on like on a questions fake question. that don't have answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's un- unreal. Uh, yeah, I don't have any hope for this week's question, but you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Well, you guys can uh, please submit some and make them hard. We would we would love them. Yeah, Thank obviously you. the ones that I come up with are not hard enough. So we need some more uh, help from the fans. We, on this we one. need help. All yeah, right, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we've got anything else. Why don't we just take some time and get right into the news, Michael? Let's do it. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your very old front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. Well, we have a new roster of guest hosts for Jeopardy. All of a sudden, it seems like there's a revolving door for this position. And I don't, I personally don't quite know how I feel about it. It feels too soon to have so many people be shuffling in and out. But uh, the the uh, staff behind Jeopardy announced that they have a new roster of guest hosts for the next few weeks. Um, we have Ken Jennings right now, who's, I think, doing a great job. Uh, Katie Couric, who we briefly discussed last week. Right. Um, Maya Bialik from The Big Bang Theory and Blossom and all kinds of things. She'll be doing it for a couple weeks, which is actually will be the first doctor to host Jeopardy, which I think will, wow. be, will be interesting. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers from the NFL, he's a quarterback for the um, the Green Bay Packers, is on that list. That's and right. That I was, was a surprise choice for me. Yeah, I, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He's very personable. You see him all the time in the State Farm commercials. I really would have expected Peyton Manning to get the call before him, but... Hey, I mean, he's got a, He's only got a couple of years left in the NFL. I love the choice. I'm not not hating on that yet. Well, remember, Peyton Manning also has College Bowl on NBC coming up this year, so he's going to have his turn to host a trivia game show this year. Sure, and that's a guaranteed gig, not just a sub in either. That's right, and he's producing the thing too. Oh yeah, good for him. Uh, you know who was uh, left off of that list that I was very upset with, um, Christian? Who's that? 
our favorite reading rainbow guy? LeVar Burton. I was just thinking the same thing. You know, again, LeVar Burton is my dream choice. I wonder, because there's been such an outpouring of support for his getting the job, you know, there's that petition on change.org that has like 50,000 signatures. I wonder if they don't have something planned for him down the road. I mean, that's a significant number of people that are interested in seeing that happen. So I still have my fingers crossed for that. You know, they may be saving him for like a, um, a reboot of Jeopardy as like a children's Jeopardy show. I think that would be really interesting. They've tried that a couple times, but I, I, I think that that would be also, you know, somebody else that was left off the list that we're seeing in a lot of the news outlets is the executive producer, Mike Richards, is going to host the show for a couple of weeks as well um, in between huh. some of the guests that they announced. And he, you know, has some hosting chops. He uh, hosted uh, Beauty and the Geek and The Pyramid on Game Show Network when they did their own version for a while. Um, he was the executive producer of The Price is Right before he moved over to Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. So that's a interesting, uh, interesting positioning there that he got in right, you know, sort of under the wire and now he's one of the guest hosts. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he, if, if he had a chance to, like, put his name in the hat kind of thing. Right. And, I mean, it makes sense. He's the face of the show, essentially. And in terms of bringing the show to its next chapter, he's really the front man for that. So, you know, he was the first person to publicly acknowledge um, Trebek's passing on the show. And so there's a little bit of uh, of a precedent for authority on his part there. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. He's a decent host. Mike, you're mighty quiet over there. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was listening to you guys. Uh, I like my Bialik. That's that's really all I got to say. <laughs> Awesome. I'm just happy to, to know that she's a doctor. I had no idea. That's great. Oh, yeah. No, she's she's crazy smart. Uh, I think she's like a neuroscientist. And um, yeah, it's like uh, she has some sort of math degree as well. I, yeah, recall. She, I don't remember she's, exactly. She's but... a very impressive individual. And I think it, Indeed. I think it's exciting to see a female host of Jeopardy. You know, I, we have Katie Couric as well, but Mayan Bialik is a little more exciting for me personally. Yeah, me I too. I 100% agree. I, and so when we talked about Katie Couric, I said it was just kind of like a meh choice. Uh, Mayan Bialik is the, is exactly why I think that Katie Couric is a meh choice because there's people like her that I think would be much more interesting. And, uh, you know, I would rather see in the role. I just want to know when one of us is going to get the call. (laughs) (laughs) They're not calling me anytime soon. I can guarantee that. They don't want some grumpy old guy doing it. They don't listen to podcasts, I guess. Oh, (laughs) apparently neither neither does anybody else. All right. uh, Christian, (laughs) what what else do you have for us? Does it even matter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in other incredibly exciting news, all of the ABC game shows that premiered this past week. So we had The Hustler with Craig Ferguson. We had Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. We had, you know, any number of shows that had their uh, season premieres this week on ABC. Each of them won their time slot in their respective nights. I think even Name That Tune did incredibly well on Fox. So Wait, all of them? All of them won their time wow. slots. And I think that that's incredible news for the game show genre yeah. in general um, because especially in a year where there is going to be a bit of a drought in terms of content. And I think producers are going to look for uh, relatively inexpensive programming ideas. We're going to see a lot of game shows this year. Dude, that, and, that's exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. is. You know, And among the message boards and fan community, there's been a lot of discussion about what shows we'd like to see come back. You know, because in a decade where we've gotten a new version of Press Your Luck, a new version of Supermarket Sweep, really anything can happen at this point. So 
everybody's fantasizing about what shows they'd like to see come back in a, in a new form this year. Well, I'm ready to host the new remote control, baby. I'm bringing it back. Oh, man, that would be awesome. We'll have... So we'll have like a power hour of programming. You you host remote control. I'll host high rollers. Oh, nice. My new high rollers would be incredible. That's one I of my personal, it. like, I, I hope that happens. I w- you know, to be honest, I will, we'll talk more about this, but I wouldn't mind this week's featured show coming back either. Mike, what are you going to host? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I, I'd have to go with Double Dare, right? Yeah. <laughs> it'd, it'd, it'd be silly for me to pick anything else. I don't think you're. Um, although I, I don't think I'm going to appeal to the college age. I don't think you're going to appeal to the to the below college age. But maybe I don't know. Uh, that's a really good. I'm going to make adult double dare. Oh, I like it. There we go. Now we're talking. Uh-huh. I'm going to make really old guy remote control. <laughs> All the questions are about Dobie Gillis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's grand. I love it. <laughs> Guys, I lost. What the hell is my little Margie? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless America. Uh, all right, Christian, what about this week in game show history? Well, this week in game show history, we're talking about a bit of a curiosity in the history of game shows. We're going back to January 20th, 1961, and the premiere of a show that was so unbelievably bad that the next episode consisted solely of an apology for the first episode. No way. So we're talking about a show called You're in the Picture. Now, this was a primetime sort of panel celebrity-based show hosted by Jackie Gleason. So it had a huge name attached to it, even before they announced, you know, the panel, which the panel was was not as famous as Jackie Gleason, clearly. But so the, the premise of You're in the Picture was this. You know how back on like the boardwalk, you know, in like the 50s, you get those big framed pictures where you stick your head through and you get a souvenir photo of yourself and you got, oh, like, yeah. you know, sure. so the premise of the show was this, the panel would stick their heads through a big giant, one of those big board with, you know, spaces for their heads and they would ask questions to figure out what they were. That's not a terrible idea. Right. On its face, it, it's not a horrible idea. But the show was destroyed in the press. It was destroyed among critics. It was just not good at all. (laughs) And so the following week, instead of the second episode of You Were in the Picture, it was Jackie Gleason with a chair on an empty set delivering pretty much a 45-minute monologue about how they thought it was a good idea for the show, how it turned out to be really, really bad. He At one point, he said... You know, if, if, if you didn't tune in last week, we laid the biggest bomb. <laughs> wow. Said that it made, I think he said something like it made Hiroshima look like a 21-gun salute. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, <laughs> but, but that show, the Apology Show, was praised unanimously. It was a beautiful piece of programming because it was honest and it was real and it was really, really funny. So oh, well, yeah, but he was hilarious back in the day, man. God bless Jackie Gleason. Oh, Jackie Gleason is the man among that that uh, era of comedy. Yeah, he was a king, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but, absolutely. Yeah, you're in the picture this week in game show history. Really, really fascinating stuff. Oh, that's that's great. That's now see, there's something you just wouldn't know about normally, you know. Yeah. All right, Michael, it's time for Stump the Chump. What do you have All for this right. week? Well, we're doing tic-tac-toe this week, right? So yeah. April third, nineteen fifty-eight. 
a contestant on Tic Tac Doe wins $140,000 and catches the eye of the federal grand jury investigating the quiz scandals at the time, thus dragging the show in and ultimately ruining the nighttime version of the show. What was the name of that contestant? That is a phenomenal question. Oh. Now I know. That. Did we get him? Did we get him? Hey, hey! This is how he starts every one. I, you're right. He's gonna go right. on some like twenty minute preamble yeah. while his weird back brain yeah. goes through the filing system yeah. and pulls out the little note card that has this person's name. Right. On go it. ahead. Go ahead, Christian. Sorry. <laughs> well, the thing about Tic Tac Doe, especially back in the fifties, that that was one of the most, in terms of rigging, that was one of the most choreographed shows. I mean. Tic-Tac-Doe was structured like a soap opera where you had you had contestants that were almost characters winning week after week after week. Um, so it really could have been a lot of contestants. Um, I know that there were a few that made their name in um, in the printed word after they after they made their name on the show. They won a lot of money um, I'm trying to think. One hundred forty thousand dollars. There were a lot of really famous big money contestants back then. But I'm trying to think of who this could have been. I, you know, I seem to remember there was a military guy. I don't remember if he had an yeah. eye patch or not. He might have. I, I seem to. I, I, I may be wrong on the eye patch, but I know that. You know, there aren't too many episodes of this show floating around. You know, a lot of those tapes from back then were erased. But there was a captain, I believe he was a captain, named Michael O'Rourke. And he was one of the really popular contestants on Tic-Tac-Toe. And he won a lot of money. I, I don't remember if it was exactly 140000 or if he even made it past that. Um, but I had the privilege of seeing one of his episodes years and years ago. Tic-Tac-Toe was a much more uh serious show in the 50s than it was in the 70s i'm gonna guess and say michael o'rourke okay so michael o'rourke is correct what Mil military <laughs> service man is correct what i was really hoping to dog on you about the eye patch because he does not have an eye patch but here is a picture of him winning on the show against a man with an eye patch oh my god <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, I. Uh, I, I, I'm changing the name of the segment. I haven't figured it out yet. It's no longer stump the chump. It's help help Tom and Mike not look like chumps. That's the name of the. Are you kidding me? How? Oh boy. Man, oh. dude, you are Christian. You missed your calling. Why aren't you like a, a a consultant for all these game shows at ABC? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I am calling them tomorrow and saying, hire this guy. What are you doing? <laughs> Give me your agent, Christian, because he's not doing a good enough job. You know, back in the day, I used to collect VHS tapes of all these things. There was like a, wow. there used to be this underground circuit of people who would like collect tapes and stuff and i got entered into it a friend of mine just sent me a couple and i started trading him and one of the first tapes i ever had was this episode of tic-tac-toe with michael overwork playing against i forget the other guy's name but he had an eye patch and i i never even figured out if the eye patch was real because the shows were rigged to that right. degree back then they were just so heavily scripted and choreographed i would say the vast majority of the big money quiz shows even, even maybe even all of them across the board were rigged to that degree i mean you even had herbert stemple the guy who blew the whistle on the 
on the rigging of 21 back in the day. Um, he even testified that the producers would tell him what kind of haircut to get. You know, wow. how to how to like which way to mop his brow while he was thinking about the answer. They would turn off the air conditioning in his booth so that he would physically sweat while he thought about the answer to the question. Like it, it they just had it down to a science and there was no law against it. So now let me ask you a question. And and and, and this goes I'm gonna ask both of you guys because I'm I'm interested to know your opinions on this. But theoretically, at that point in time, television was about entertainment. And did they really technically do anything wrong? Because were you not buying in? Were you not entertained? I mean, that is what it was about. Are you not entertained? Well, I think it was about the difference between something scripted and something that was clearly presented to be real people with real knowledge playing a real game for real money. So, you know, it, 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 it was. I think it was all about the, you know, the intent. A lot of... Um, but, I mean, couldn't we just, I mean, in today's day and age with reality television, we're doing the same thing. We just throw a little thing at the very end of the thing that this, this, the producers may have changed the outcome or blah, 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 blah at the very end. And that takes away all, you know, that's like you wash your hands of all responsibility. I mean, that's true. But the 50s were a much different time. I mean, TV was only about a decade old by the time all these shows were really, really popular. Wow. And, you know, a lot of historians uh, talk about the quiz show scandals as part of the beginning of the end of innocence in that in, in entertainment of that era, um, because it, it, it was just a simpler time. And I think a lot of people for a lot of people, it never crossed their mind that you could rig a game show. You know, it was a simple form of pleasure, simple form of entertainment and to, you know, to for deception to enter into it just brought about this whole different era in TV. Yeah. Interesting. All right, Michael, you're gonna have to do better next week. Yeah, uh, well, I, I mean I'll try. I, I yeah, I don't I don't know what to do. I'm I'm lost. I'm lost. He's <laughs> killing it. He's absolutely killing it. Ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I was gonna say the bar is set really high, but I don't know that there even is a bar anymore. Well, we're gonna have to like have some sort of like a, a contribute to the to the bucket and every week that, that Christian d- gets it right, we put another dollar in the bucket or something and then why why would we do that to ourselves? No, 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 no. But I'm saying like like we should I could, I'll just give Christian fifty dollars. I'm not talking about giving <laughs> no listen, I'm not talking about giving Christian money. I'm talking about asking the somebody to give a question and whoever asked the question that stumps them gets the money oh that's not a bad idea anyway all right hey, but this what week, if i get it right what the hell's going on here all you're doing is defending your honor at this point buddy <laughs> oh yeah i'll, I'll, I'll go home, and, don't get, I'll go home don't, and make my wife a damn honor sandwich right, right. good yeah you right you, you do it you're not gonna get any pity for me at this point buddy the i'm sorry company. i'm sorry do you guys take honor yeah good good you pay your <laughs> mortgage with Michael honor. O'Rourke. can i set up a payment plan please yeah exactly right like you get you're getting no pity for me none none whatsoever I got to tell you, I might get it right every this I might get it right every week, but every week I also start this segment with intense diarrhea. So, <laughs> you know, I don't buy that anymore. I bought it the first 5 weeks of this. I'm not buying it anymore. I'm jaded. <laughs> All right, I'm Christian. Sorry. Yeah, no you're not. Don't even start apologizing. <laughs> this week we're doing Tic-Tac-Toe, one of my favorites. Tell us about Tic-Tac-Toe a little bit. What you think? Sure. Well, Tic-Tac-Toe had two very distinct chapters. We've already talked about one in terms of the big money 1950s black and white rigged version. Sure. sure. Um, And then it came back in the 70s, which, you know, 
for the producers of the show, Jack Barry and Dan Enright, who produced the original Tic-Tac-Toe, for them to come back with a new version of a show that they admit that they rigged was a big risk for that company. But off of the success of The Joker's Wild, which had premiered six years prior in uh, 1972, uh, I guess they felt that the time was right to bring that show back. And they did it in a fantastic way. I mean... Tic-Tac-Doe, to me, is the epitome of 1970s quiz show. I mean, you got that the synthesized music. You got Wink Martindale with all his all his damn shiny-ass teeth, you know? <laughs> like, just that world-class <laughs> grin. Um, you got the set, the stucco-covered set with all those, with the big computerized board. Which, by the way, uh, Tic-Tac-Doe, the first game show to be controlled by uh, Apple computers. So each of those squares was an Apple II. Uh, I think it was an Apple II. It was yeah. nine Apple computers all controlled by one single sort of master unit. Um, so a lot of money the, went The in. master unit was an Atari. I thought it was an Altair, I'll be honest with you. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's not an oh, Atari. But, cool. You know. I love that. Um, that could have been our stump to jump question. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Maybe next time. Um, <laughs> so a lot of money went into the production of the show. The set was built, you know, originally it was shot at CBS because uh, when the show premiered, it was on CBS for about a season uh, in the daytime. And the really popular version that everybody remembers was syndicated. So they shot it in a different uh, in a different production facility. The, s- the stage was so small that there was no room to uh, house the set when it wasn't being filmed. So the set used to be kept across the street on certain days. In California, if you were on that street in traffic, you might see the production the production crew carry the set across the street into the studio. Don't mind us just walking here, like like you see the, the plate glass window go across the thing, and someone like drives a car through it. You know, <laughs> it's really exactly surreal. That. Seeing props like that in li- in real life is incredibly surreal. When I went to see The Price is Right, one of the first things I saw through the gate was uh, cliffhangers, the, the, like the game with the oh, little yeah. mountain climber. I yeah. saw it just like in the distance. And it, should, it was just incredibly surreal, you know? You should hear Mike do the yodeling for that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm waiting. Tic-Tac-Doe is just in, a fantastic show. And not to mention, you know, for a while, the largest cash winner in game show history uh, was a uh, contestant on tic-tac-toe tom mckee which i'm sure you guys will talk about um but he won over three hundred thousand dollars in a matter of you know months um playing on that show he won seven or eight cars something like that and just Mm -hmm. an incredible contestant but yeah tic-tac-toe love it all right i'm gonna plug for buzzer blog of course buzzerblog.com the number one game show website in the world whether you're looking for information on new series returning series which we have a lot of this year it's a good time to be a game show fan uh reviews of anything that's been on the air in the past few years anything related to game shows of the past and present whether you're an industry insider a casual fan or a game show junkie which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast buzzerblog.com is the place to go thank you very much yeah, and I bet you if you read Buzzer Blog, you'll be smart like Christian. Got to eat your vegetables. <laughs> Just like that. Oh, and and how do we do it, Christian? How do we uh, stump the chump? Eat your vegetables. Oh <laughs> uh, well, then that's why that's why we're doomed. Uh, exactly right. Uh, it, do, do cheeseburgers count as vegetables? Yeah, no more cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian. Thanks again so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Once again, if you want to send in a Stump the Chump question, please do so via Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or uh, on our website as well. Or email or anything, really. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we, we definitely need some questions because Christian's got to lose eventually. 
All right, coming up now, we've got the history of this week's amazing game, which I, you know, I didn't even remember it until I started doing the research, Mike, and I realized I fell in love with it again. It was it was one of my favorites growing up, and I had totally forgotten about it until we did it this week, and I was like, wow. Uh, this one hit the same category for me as Gambit in that I did not really know much about it beforehand, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's great. All right, coming up, history of Tic-Tac-Doe. It's up next right here in America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And that there is the theme song to Tic-Tac-Doe. That is this week's featured show on America's Favorite Game Show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Mike Jacobs, it's gameplay time. It is gameplay time. Uh, I would say this one fits under the category of deceptively simple. Uh, the elevator pitch here is just it's a game of tic-tac-toe, but with trivia. you got to earn your squares on the tic-tac-toe board. Uh, the way it works is we will have two contestants, one of which is a returning champion. Uh, the champion will be the X's, and the challenger will be the O's. And before them lies a giant tic-tac-toe board. Uh, nine spaces that start filled with trivia categories. Categories. Uh, so then the contestants will alternate choosing categories uh, that presents them a trivia question. And if they get it right, they get their respective symbol on that square. Uh, if they get it wrong, it just stays unclaimed. It doesn't go to the other person or anything like that. Um, also, as the questions are answered, uh, a certain amount of prize money will be added to a pot, uh, which is claimed by the winner. So as is the case with basically every game show ever, uh, the amounts of money will change over the years uh, as it airs. But generally, the idea is that the center box is worth a little bit more than an outer box. I think it started at like 200 for the center box, 100 for the outer, um, and then kind of you know climbs up like that over the years. Um, and uh, yeah, again, the winner of the round uh, would claim that money in the pot um strategically speaking uh, as most people know in a game of tic-tac-toe the center square is of course the most important which is why it's worth more money in the uh prize money uh aspect um but it also is you know worth more in the term of winning the game right the ultimate goal here is to get a tic-tac-toe so having the center square really helps with that so they had to make that question a little more difficult and what they would do here is it was a two-parter um you know answer question a and question b um and for this one they were given 20 seconds to consider their like answer before they actually had to answer they could pass that up if they wanted to um i i get it because there's two answers you got to kind of think about it for a second but it also to me felt like a very odd like break in the show like they just kind of throw on the speed break real quick and then get going again um but again it makes sense for you know the person has to be able to have time to come up if they're going to double the questions you know um after each question is asked the categories will be shuffled around on the board um so really what that means is that you can't necessarily plan your strategy of which squares you're going to go for based on the categories that are there in other words if you know you start the game and you see a row of three in categories that you're really good at 
you know, those categories are not always going to be in that position. So you can't just say, oh, sweet, I'm going to go for those three and win. Oh, okay. Now, just like in real tic-tac-toe, it is very, very possible for the game to end in a draw uh, and actually happen quite often on the show. Uh, When that happened, uh, they simply start a new game with the same contestants. What this really means, though, is that it was not uncommon for a single match of two people to span several episodes. They could just keep rolling on. Um, does the does the prize roll up at that point, too? It, it does indeed. And uh, we're going to get to some stuff in the history in regards to prizes. But uh, okay. this this show uh, holds a lot of accolades in in general, but specifically in, in regards to prize money. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, cool. But yes, great, it, great. It, it, it absolutely does roll over from each one. Like I say, you get the pot of money only when you win. So all the money that was earned in that first round, uh, just or first game, sorry, rolls over to the second because no one won it to take it. Mm. Um, once uh, finally a contestant wins like I say, they'll return the next time as the champion. And, uh, they actually would continue returning until defeated. Um, in the, Daytime version, CBS had imposed a limit of uh, $25,000, so nobody won any more than that. Uh, but the syndicated version did not have that same limits. That was specifically CBS imposed. Um, so, you know, the syndicated version didn't have to follow that. Uh, returning champs could win much, much more, and in fact did. Um, again, we'll get to this later, but that also includes... CBS stations. The syndicated version ran on CBS stations. Uh, and so that caused quite a kerfuffle for a little bit. Wow. Interesting. Another point of strategy when being a returning champion is that when you're defeated, whatever your opponent won is deducted from your winnings. So in other words, if you win, I don't know, let's just say $16,000, right? And okay. the next day you lose and the contestant has won the person who beat you has won a thousand dollars. You're only walking home with fifteen thousand dollars because that contestant just took a thousand dollars from what? You. Wait, wait, wait. So, so literally, like, if they if they beat you by twelve thousand dollars, you go home with four grand. Yes. Oh, that's so. That's crappy. Yeah, it takes the money out of your pool. Oh, uh, what a so, what a cheesy way for the producers to save money on that. Well, but I mean, I I I don't disagree with that. But they uh, they did give the the player the option of stopping if they wanted to. You you were oh, not. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're risking going ahead. Okay, exactly. that's a that's exactly. a whole. You're gambling that going ahead. That's a yes, whole other story. Yes, that's you are my gambling. Bad, my bad. So yeah, okay. yeah. Right. At any point, you could stop. Now, the other thing to think of though is that like the chances of you getting sixteen grand over the course of X episodes, and then someone getting twelve grand in one episode unseating you, like it's not going to be that big of a deal, right? You're not losing that much money because you right, had right, several right. episodes. Uh, that right. being said, again, uh, <laughs> the records later, uh, people have won some large amounts of money in that one single game. Uh, another thing uh, about the show, <laughs> but for winning, the prizes on the show are just astronomical. Every five contestants that you would beat as a returning champion would get you a new car. And really? again... That's every five contestants, and there's no cap. So if you beat 10 people, you're getting two cars. If you get 15 people, you're getting three cars. So it wasn't the kind of thing where you like, was it the kind of thing where you had to chant? The, like, so I don't know what game show it was that we were, we were talking about. Maybe it was Match Game or Scrabble, one of the two, where, no, it wasn't Match Game. I don't know. Um, where 
there was five cars parked there and you would pick one. And if it didn't start, then after five, obviously you would definitely just get one. Right. Um, is, is it like that or is it just beat five contestants, win a car? I, as far as I can tell, it's beat five contestants, win a car. Wow. And and we can we can do the math when we get to the history, but uh, sure, yeah. There, like I say, there's there's records to be to be discussed. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, starting in the '80s version, um, they started doing special categories um, for the you know questions that are in the uh, tic tac toe board in the main round. Um, typically, these are just you know what you would imagine a special category in a trivia game to be um the idea being like an auction um which is not an auction for money but rather for answers uh and this one was actually my favorite uh there's a board game called uh, geek out that i love playing that's very similar to this but the idea is it's like uh name as many i don't know simpsons characters as you can right and they would I say go i back, can name 12 i can name 18 Right? I can you, name 19. Exactly. So you go back and forth until someone bids the highest amount. Okay. <clears throat> and if they, you know, complete whatever they've bid, then they win. Otherwise, the other person has a chance to name one extra and win. Instead. Oh! <laughs> hey, there it is. That was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, other options, double or nothing. In other words, you can risk going for a second box or lose the one that you just won. Uh, toss up questions where either player can buzz in all sorts of different stuff like that. It's not really that the questions were any different. It's just the way that they are presented. That was different. Um, it started out that there was only one of those per game. And then they eventually, I guess, got really popular because they started doing two and then eventually three. Um, and they would shuffle those around um, as normal with the other categories, except that they would never put a special category in the center square. Yeah, that and, makes sense. I mean, it makes sense, but it also, um, I think, hints at the same thing that happened that we talked about with Press Your Luck, where they it's not truly random right like if you are putting in a caveat that says you can't go to the center square then how much randomness can there actually be right i wonder if there's maybe a pattern to this too and nobody just cared enough to figure it out maybe who knows yeah interesting Yep. Uh, and then finally, at the end of the game, uh, there is the bonus round uh, known as beat the dragon uh Wait, wait, beat the we beat the dragon? Yeah, no, I don't know. There's a dragon. Like it's a real, it's a real dragon. No, I like mean, dra- there's a dragon on the board. The, the idea here is that you get a blank board, um, and it's it really differs throughout all the years of what the end goal is, except okay. for that you are trying to avoid the dragon. There's eight spaces that have something that's not a dragon, and then the ninth space is a dragon. It's just like a whammy. It's 100 a whammy. They just call it a dragon. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, and so, like I say, it, you know, maybe there's money behind all the other spaces, so you can keep picking and earning as much money as you want. Uh, sometimes sure. it's X's and O's, and you got to try and get tic tac toe. Sometimes it's the words tick and tack, and you got to put those together. Um, like I say, it's it's all the idea of just get something without getting the dragon. It's a whammy. Nice. All right. Well, that's a pretty cool final game, though. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, it's not bad. It's kind of just. I mean, it's it's chance but considering how much strategy is in the rest of the game it, it doesn't bother me at all um and we we've talked a couple times in different shows about uh doing audience games at the end and this was this was no uh no different um when a round ended without a dragon being found uh they would then go to the audience and the audience members could try and find the dragon for i think it was like 250 bucks or something like that and then it would 
maybe in it, it again it differs from version to version but um one version it was 250 bucks and then it would go up by 50 for each square that was revealed that was not the dragon wow um, or they would just get two people and it would just go back and forth and whoever found the dragon got the money um but yeah just cool little audience games for if they had extra time well you know i'm a big fan of the audience games anyway so yeah absolutely all right anything else for uh gameplay michael no, man, that's it. Like I say, deceptively simple. It's it's just tic-tac-toe and trivia, but there's a lot of strategy. And obviously, I mean, trivia in itself uh, has the, you know, skill and the randomness of the final game. I, it's just it's got all those elements really well uh, placed together. I also like the idea of the center square being like worth more and also harder to get too. Yeah, so it's exactly. not it's not just like, oh yeah, well it's two hundred dollars, but it's also more difficult to get to that square because that that makes a lot of sense. Like they've definitely done this right. You know, I think you had texted me earlier in the week and said, This game is everything that you wanted Hollywood Squares to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I mean, Hollywood Square, it's the same game, basically, except in this one, I feel like you actually have to earn the square as opposed to just like letting a celebrity dork around for a little bit. <laughs> Love when the celebrities dork around, but that's know, another show. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, go listen to our Hollywood Squares episode. Yeah, there you are. Hey, we love it. Um, all right, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk of uh, the history of this game, which you said there's a lot of, right? A, a long and storied history for this show, to be certain. Fantastic. It's coming up next. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And welcome back. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And this is segment number three of show number 32. Michael, the game is tic-tac-toe. We're in history time. We are in history and lots of history indeed there is. So let's just jump right in. July 30th, 1956 is our premiere. Uh, Jack Berry is the host. He is also the co-creator, co-producer, co-everything. Um, <laughs> co-everything. Yep, basically. <laughs> Um, also, just quick note: I'm going to be skipping over a lot of stuff here because there is a ton to cover. So no, that, that's that's fine, and it, that's more for our audience than it is for me. Yes, but. exactly. That's I'm, I'm I'm letting the audience know that this this first part's going to go pretty quick. Keep the harassment to a minimum, please. Indeed. <laughs> um, okay, so from '56 to '58. Uh, basically it just bounced around hosts. Uh, like I say, Jack Berry started Gene Rayburn came in for a little bit, uh, because Jack Berry went over to host 21. Um, initially it let him host both, uh, the schedules allowed him to host both. Then it shuffled around, shuffled back, whatever. So anyways, it keeps flip-flopping between them kind of, and I'm sorry, that was from 56 and 57. And then in 58, uh, Jack Berry leaves for good and Bill Wendell, the previous announcer, steps in as the host and uh, holds the ro uh, that role until uh, the end of the show in 1959. Now, during this time, there was also an ill-fated nighttime version produced from 57 to 58. This is what we uh, discussed with Christian in the Stump the Chump segment. Um, and so... 
the the host at this time uh, for that version was a man by the name of Jay Jackson. Uh, he never hosted again, uh, but that was really unfortunate for him because he was sort of caught in the crossfire here and was cleared of any wrongdoings. Uh, what wrongdoings, might you ask? Well, like I yeah. said, uh, 57 to 58, this was the uh, ga- ah. infamous uh, game show scandals of the 50s where many, right. many shows were getting in trouble for being rigged. Um, so like, like we spoke with Christian about, uh, there was the contestant who initially, uh, drew their eye. Um, but the, uh, the, the real ringleader here was uh, a producer by the name of Howard Felsher, um, which I mean, apologies to anyone who has that last name, but that just sounds like a movie villain last name. If you ask me. All right, so now all the Felshers are going to write in and be like, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah, Mike, great, great job. Watch our our <laughs> listenership drop by like ten percent. Who knew it was such a popular name? <laughs> uh, so he was really, like I said, the 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 brains behind the operation. Another famous story involving him was that he brought in a contestant by the name of uh, Kirsten Falk. She was an aspiring folk singer um, and uh, brought in as a rigged contestant. Uh, she was given the categories and questions ahead of time um, and was offered like a platform to sort of promote her music and perform and, and get her name out hmm. there. Um, apparently she really screwed up because I, the way I figure it or the way I, I understand it is that it was supposed to happen in a certain order. Like she knew that, you know, question one would be this and answer one would be this, but she did it in the wrong order uh, and ended up winning like almost no money in the grand scheme of things. I think her her grand total was only like $800. Um, But guess what? That doesn't really matter. It's still illegal. (laughs) Um, The, and, and so obviously, you know, at this point, the show has already uh, caught the eye of the, uh, the feds. And so Felsher uh, goes to this, this woman, Kirsten, and tries to convince her to lie under oath uh, to a Supreme Court. Um, what? Yeah. It turns and she's out, like a folk singer? Yeah, and I think she was like 16 or 18 or something oh like that. Oh my like, god. Yeah, he oh is a god. scum bag. And this was not wow. the only this was not the only uh incidence of this. Uh he eventually came clean and admitted to all this. Uh but he he in total con- or asked 30 other contestants to lie under oath and he himself also lied under oath. Um and <laughs> yeah, when all, when all is said and done, uh he estimated that about 75% of that nighttime version was rigged. Um, wow. So yeah, just, just to let you know, he's currently residing in hell. Uh, <laughs> if you go, uh, say hello for me. Well, so here's the thing. He was absolutely fired for that. No, no right. question. Uh, <laughs> he came back later. He was a producer working for goods and Todman productions. Really? That's so messed up because Jay Jackson, the host, cleared of any wrongdoings. Like he was just a suit that was running the show, never hosted again, career ruined. The guy who orchestrated the whole thing continued his career successfully. Like that's so messed up. Yeah, that's the that's showbiz for you back in those days. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Unbelievable. Um Though it is interesting to note, so like I say, this was all that nighttime version that happened in 57 and 58. Um, the the daytime version was still going at this point. Gene Rayburn was hosting, uh, and they basically saw no effect from any of this. Um, so 
a thing to keep in mind is that while this show was dragged down because of the game show scandals, it was specifically that nighttime version from 57 to 58. Gene Rayburn came out clean as a whistle. Um, the uh, That entire show totally stayed clear of the scandal. So- so let me make sure I understand this. So the daytime and syndicated are running at the same time. The syndicated gets shut down because of the scandals. The daytime is clean, same show, different host, and that one gets to continue on. Correct. Um, wow. Now, I don't know what impact it had on like popular opinion at the time. And it's right. also worth keeping in mind that that, that daytime show uh, only ran for another year afterwards. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it was a sort of just ran its course kind of thing, or if maybe that last year people didn't trust it as much or what. Um, right. but yeah, um, I, you know, I, I have to think that, um, it had some impact on people wanting to watch it. Right. Like if it were me, I would turn on that show and be like, Oh, that's that show that got in trouble for cheating. I don't care about this anymore and change the channel. Right. Yeah. 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 Or maybe people liked the show so much that, or they liked, um, they liked uh, Gene Rayburn so much that they were like, well, thank God he wasn't part of that. We can watch this show. It's wholesome. Well, I, I definitely think that was a part of it for sure. Cause like I say, it, it's, it is bizarre to think that, you know, something so big could happen and another version of the same show would just be completely unscathed. So, um, I, I, I think that probably does give a lot of props to Gene Rayburn. Um, so fast forward to, uh, 1978 and we get a new version on CBS. Uh, at this point, CBS is just churning through shows, trying to get a lead into prices, right? Um, they want to, I guess, expand their, uh, you know, powerhouse game show hour to longer time span. Who can blame them? Sure. Uh, yeah. This one did not work out, though, uh, due to stiff competitions, specifically Card Sharks. Uh, they did not stand a chance against it. Uh, after nine weeks, uh, the plug is pulled and Tic Tac Toe is gone again. Um, <clears throat> so this is uh, this is another weird, like ping pongy thing that this show did. So while that uh, version was running, they were already planning a new nighttime version. Um, hmm. And so they said, you know what, even if this daytime one didn't pan out, let's start this nighttime one anyways. And that's, uh, came, that's the one with uh, wink Martindale. Yeah. That's the one I remember. Well, so it's not because during that nighttime version, they decided to parlay that back into another syndicated version. And that's the one that stuck and ran for eight years. Oh, that's the one I remember. So it's like they started as one format, went to another, and then switched back, and then it stuck. Uh, so, but yeah, Wink Martindale okay. was the host. So more or less, that is the one that you remember. And that this okay. is really the one that is most notable for several reasons. Um, most importantly, uh, a contestant by the name of Tom McKee. And that is T-H-O-M. I think Thom. that's still Tom, right? Thom. Thom McKee. Is it Thom? No, it's not Thumb. I'm okay. j- totally, totally joking. It's I've never heard someone that. say that that name out loud, so I, I, I've never known. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Anyways, he is notable for being uh, the record holder for the most amount of money won on a game show uh, at the time. He also looks like a Ken doll. Yeah, yeah. He is a, like <laughs> he is a very stereotypical like. Just blonde hair, blue eyes, Navy yeah. pilot. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny. But go ahead, go ahead, yeah, continue. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Obviously, since then, uh, his record has been beaten. But so what happened was he beat 43 opponents. Oh, my gosh. So if you remember in the rules, 
every five opponents gets you a car, right? A car. So he won like what? Eight cars <laughs> eight, or something? Eight cars. Uh, oh, a, my God. A total of $312,700 in prizes, $200,000 of which was just cash. Um, wow. So he absolutely raked it in. Uh, but as you recall uh, earlier, we mentioned that CBS had a limit. And so at this point, a CBS affiliate in New York put it all together and said, oh, wait a minute. We are breaking our own standards and practices by airing this syndicated show. We have to put in a, a, a cap. There has to be a winning cap. We can't continue to just throw money in cars at people. Um, so they set a limit to $50,000. But really what that means is that it was now impossible for anyone to beat his record, right? Um, so he held uh, the record for most won in a game show for 16 years wow. uh, until 1999. Uh, the first person to get 50, uh, I'm sorry, 500,000 in Millionaire uh, broke that record. Uh, so yeah, 16 years, the highest amount of money ever won on a game show. Uh, he also holds the record for uh, most money won in any single match of the game uh $36,800 after four tied rounds so like you said earlier it rolls over each time right uh so mm-hmm. he played the same person four times and then beat him and won $36,800 in one go absolutely amazing yeah absolutely amazing well and 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 you got to wonder like at what point does the scale tip where it's like, I understand the producers want to give away big prizes and they want people to win a lot because it brings in more people and drives up hype and gets people talking about it. But at the same time, like it sounds like this show is just vomiting money. Well, and the other thing that, that you wonder, especially, okay, now the eighties is 25 years, 1980s, you know, 25 years removed from the scandals. But I mean, that's the first thing you think of when you heard about, um, and Ken Jennings, on Jeopardy, do you, does that not thought cross your mind? Of uh, is there is there some sort of cheating going on? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm not saying that I felt that way. And nowadays, I really feel like they do everything in their power, especially you know talking to Christian and hearing him talk about everything they do to make sure that it's all above board. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I I sit there and I think, gosh, when you see a run like that immediately the first thing I'm thinking of is, is this a scandal? Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to your point, like we talked about in Stump the Chump, that's exactly what got the show on the radar of the scandal to begin with. Right. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so the other, I guess, notable thing about uh, this version of the show was the game board itself. So each individual space was its own uh, Apple II computer. Uh, and then there was a master Atari. I, I think it was a I don't remember which model it was, but an Atari computer running all nine of these uh, computers, uh, which makes it apparently the first game show to use computer graphics for their uh, game board. Huh. Really? Yep. Yep, indeed. Um, so, yeah, like I say, very, very notable show. Um, Wink Martindale, of course, hosting for uh, almost the entire run. He got the first seven years in. Uh, and then for the final year, he was replaced, replaced by Jim Caldwell. Uh, and then that version ran until May 23rd, 86. 
Uh, but then, uh, what, four years later, we get another syndicated version, uh, this time hosted by Patrick Wayne. Uh, I don't know if you recognize that name or not. He's in a bit of uh, movies here and there, probably best known for being John Wayne's son. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. I never heard of him. Never no, heard I, of him. I hadn't either. I was like, who's this Patrick Wayne guy? And then I look him up and it's like the youngest of John Wayne's sons. I'm like, oh, well, there's a bit of credit there. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, also notable about the 90 version, uh, 90s version uh, was the music was composed by Harry Mancini, a uh, popular composer. His last game show theme before passing on oh. uh, did not do well, unfortunately. 13 weeks it ran um, and then stumbled along in reruns for a little bit afterwards. Ultimately, just I thought you meant the music didn't do well. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. The, the show in general. His music did fine, I'm sure. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, did, did not last long. And that's the last version uh, that we've seen here in the States. Of course, uh, we mentioned this in uh, the episode on concentration, but it's one of only three Barry Enright game shows that have gotten foreign adaptations. The other one being 21. Mm. Um, the other ones, you know, there's just kind of what you would expect. I think the only uh, thing that I wanted to note here was that the British version is called crisscross quiz. And when I first read that, I was like, wow, it's weird that they went with such a different name. But then I remembered they don't call tic-tac-toe tic tac toe so saying tic tac doe makes no sense to no them. sense yeah yeah, yeah. I, I believe they call it knots and crosses um, there you go so yeah well, yeah the, the, that would have been a good stump no to sense. jump question right there uh yeah yeah <laughs> well, you know, we always think of this afterwards it never fails yeah well we'll see maybe next <laughs> he's not gonna listen <laughs> to this so we could just ask him next week <laughs> you're right <laughs> You know, he never listens to our podcast. You know that. <laughs> okay, Mike. Well, I guess it's time for us to rate. What are we uh, What are we rating? Well, I I really, 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 really like this show. Um, I think the strategy is great. It's a fun concept. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to it. All the hosts are great. It kind of hits all the buttons, right? Um, I also think that just the amount of history that's here and the records that, you know, the prizes that it gave out, the fact that it went through... Uh, the game show scandal, not unscathed, but survived it. You know what I mean? Um, I think that says a lot about the show. Um, that being said, I had the same reaction to Gambit and I did not like this as much as Gambit. So I have to go less than Gambit. I went back and re-listened to the episode. I gave Gambit a four. So that means that I have to go 3.75 for this. Um, if I had to do it over again, I would bump Gambit up to 4.25 and give this a four. But as it stands, I'm going to, I'm going to stay true to my past and say 3.75. It's a great show. Um, stands the test of time. I feel, uh, yeah, there you go. All right. So 3.75 boxes. Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about quantity. Yeah. Or X's or O's or X's or O's or, okay, well you would choose whatever you'd like X's or O's. How about that? Yeah. There you go. No problem. I uh, am also going 3.75. It's very funny that you came down to 3.75 because I'm like, I think Mike's going to go a four on this and I'm going 3.75 on this. And then you came down to 3.75. I wish you could have seen the smile on my face <laughs> when you came down to 3.75. I was like, people think we've planned this. Right. <laughs> hey, it's rigged. Um, this is uh, one of my favorites. I didn't realize it was one of my favorites again until we started researching it this weekend. I was like, oh, yeah. And Wink is definitely um, one of my faves. And it re- it's, it's making me realize um, just how much I there are so many shows that I saw as a child 
that I clearly don't remember. Like I need to go and watch a lot of them. And the cool thing is, is that by us doing this research each week for each episode, I get to explore a little bit of my past on a lot of these. And this is one of those that I did get to do that with. And uh, I loved it. I thought the concept's good. Um, and maybe I just am a simpleton and I like tic-tac-toe. I, I, I don't know. And I, to be honest with you, um, in a previous episode, I was like, I don't like tic-tac-toe, but I do like Hollywood Squares. But that's the truth is, is that I, I don't really have an opinion either way on Hollywood Squares. I mean, on, on tic-tac-toe. I do love Hollywood Squares, but I love this one as well. 3.75 is where I'm going. And I'm sticking to it for now. All right. Well, I'm glad we see eye to eye on it. I think that uh, yeah. that that means it was a good, uh, a solid score for for both of us. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week, Mike. Indeed, it is. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Buzzer Blog. Everyone who's writing us, all the stump the chumpers, uh, the people who are mad at us for not getting everything right all the time. Uh, you know, yeah. everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Tune in again next time. We'll bring you the latest and greatest in the world of game shows, as well as a brand new featured show too. And remember, you can always catch us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, tell them what they've won. Please subscribe, share, like, and drop a good review. Only good reviews. If you like what you heard. And if you didn't like it, can I convince you to lie under oath about it? Yeah, you and 30 other people, please. Yeah, right? <laughs> See you next week, Mike. Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production, copyright 2020. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Tom, what'd you learn this week? So, Mike, I learned that Wink Martindale is one, I mean, he's one of my favorite hosts, but it's interesting. I, I never really realized the reason he hosted so many of the game shows that I love. And I guess that's why I like him as much as I do. It's uh, he's 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 definitely one of the one of the classics and one of my favorites. Well, you know, I think it's a little bit of the uh, the belt and belt loops situation in that you don't really know who the real hero is. Uh, do you like shows because Wink Martindale is the host, or do you like Wink Martindale because he's the host of good shows? You know? That's that's a question for another day. <laughs> All right, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that I want to start a Justice for Jay Jackson movement. Uh, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. Why was he not allowed to be a game show host anymore? He was railroaded. He deserves better. Uh, Jay Jackson, what what could have been? Yeah, I I I'm with you, but but I I think we're a little past due on that. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a little posthumous redemption. Copyright 2020, a JTAC audio production. <laughs>